Hey friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. Still coming at you live from my home office slash guest bedroom slash podcast studio. Hope you guys are staying healthy and safe. The music in the background is from our good buddy, Mr. Torin Wells. Make sure you grab a copy of his new album, Citizen of Heaven. Today's episode is brought to you in part by my friends at the International Justice Mission. IJM is a global nonprofit working to end slavery and violence around the world. They go to the deepest and cruelest pain in our world, and they bring the full force of the law with them to provide justice and healing. After 20 years of hard work, countless miracles, and amazing partners, IJM can say for certain hope is possible beyond tragedy when we all come together for good. You can hear some of our favorite IJM stories here, as well as on the Annie and Eddie Keep Talking episodes. And over the last two decades, it's been more than 50,000 individuals that have been set free thanks to people like you who send IJM to rescue them. Individuals like Vashanti, a wife and a mother who was rescued from a brick kiln after years of being held in slavery there. There are thousands more children, men, women who are still waiting for rescue. And you can make a difference in their lives by becoming a freedom partner. Freedom Partners give monthly so that IJM can show up month after month to rescue people from slavery and walk with survivors as they heal. Just visit IJM.org slash change lives to be a part of this movement for good. Again, that's IJM.org slash change lives. Today on the show is one of my favorite friends. Y'all are going to love her if you don't already know her. Jennifer Fulweiler is an author, a radio host, as well as a stand-up comedian, and she is just one of the best. Her new book is called Your Blue Flame. I cannot tell you how much I have loved this book and what it has taught me about what I already knew about myself. Does that make sense? Like This book just kind of pushes on some points in your life where you go, oh my gosh, I knew that. I just didn't know how to say that. But man, it has inspired me and motivated me. And I'm super excited to introduce you to this book, Your Blue Flame, and my friend, Jennifer Fulweiler. Okay, Jen, we just have to start with the very first thing you said to me is you were on the Today Show. Yes, yes. I'm oh. on the Today Show like crazy, but by Zoom, you know, this this is all we're living these crazy lives right now. Right. I had to do my own hair and makeup. I'm like, what <laughs> even is this? What is this life? Okay, tell me how it happened. What's the what's the content? Well, so they wanted to talk about your blue flame. And this is what's kind of funny is now my publicist uh, at my publisher follows me on Instagram. And sure. I'm not kidding, Annie, she actually sent me an email that in, in, you know, nice, but strongly worded that said, Jen, this interview is not about your Instagram. We are here to tell people about your book. So let's just make sure that we do mention that because her spidey sense told her that left to my own devices, I'm probably going to talk about my Instagram. the whole Sure, time. sure. But you didn't. I mean, was that part of it? <laughs> well, it was, they they actually personally read the book and liked it. So yeah. I was like, can we do this all day? Like, what are you guys doing for the next five hours? I don't want to right. end. Man, that's amazing. I mean, and it's so funny because like our, I think you've had her on your show as well, Jen Hatmaker. Jen was on the Today Show this week too. And you just go, man, what, an, what amazing doors this pandemic is also opening for people to give hope. It, it really is. And I really want to encourage people who are struggling to say it. So I actually have not said this publicly. So this is exclusive to the. Oh, let's go. I, so I haven't I haven't said publicly. I was originally booked to be the first person to do stand up comedy in front of a live audience on the Today Show. Uh, that, that's a once in a lifetime booking. That's yes. a really big deal. And it got canceled. Obviously, the in-person part got canceled. And so we just did a regular interview by Zoom. And I, Annie, was so devastated by it. And I struggled so hard with that because, I, you know, I'd been hustling so hard for so long and it felt like my big break. But honestly, so many great things came from doing it by Zoom. Like I was chatting with Hoda and Jenna just by Zoom when we weren't, you know, on the air, so to speak. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if we had been in the rushed live situation out in New York. And so I really want to encourage anyone listening who's lost something that really meant a lot to them there will be some sort of advantage that comes from this situation. I promise. Okay. But tell me about the day. Tell me about the day you found out you were getting booked to do comedy, stand up comedy 
on the Today Show and then tell me about the day that you found out you weren't going to get to do it. Okay. So I was actually in your city. I was in Nashville. Yes. And I was at, so another, I'm just telling everything that I have not said publicly on this podcast. (laughs) This is another thing that people don't know. I was working with a a pretty big time promoter who, I mean, they work with like the famous people, like the big big people. And I flew out to Nashville to potentially do a deal with them to do a really big fall tour with my standup comedy. Uh, While I was sitting in the office booking this, like they're like, all right, let's, let's do this. You ready? You ready to do this big tour? While I was sitting there, I got the call from the publicist that I booked the Today Show. And so I, if you can imagine that we are the champion song. Yes. I walked out of there. I'm queen of the world. This is amazing. And it was like three weeks later that it was like, yeah, there's, we can't book a tour right now. Maybe not ever This because this is a dumpster fire now. And yeah. then it was like a couple weeks after that, that it was confirmed that New York is shut down and I would not be going out there to do stand-up comedy. So it was like, okay not queen of the world. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what do you say? What did you say to God on that day when everything, when it, when all these dreams had aligned? Cause I want us to talk about how you got into comedy. Cause I think it's such, I mean, it's the blue flame. It's the whole thing, but what did you say to God the day that all the big dreams that were about to align fell apart? Uh, there, there, I might have let some inappropriate language slip. Cause I feel like, Hey, God knows my heart, you know, <laughs> like no point in lying. And it was just this, like, are you kidding me? Are you, is my life a sitcom? Like for the amusement of like the heavenly angels, like what is even going on? And, and I will be honest, I did not handle it in a spiritually mature way. Like I sent sure. one of my friends, like 20 texts about how like I can't ever get a break. I mean, I wallowed in self-pity and I binge watch shows. I did not handle it in any kind of admirable way. But I think that truth telling matters so <laughs> much, right? Because everybody thinks that everybody else is handling this better than they are. <laughs> right. Yeah. It would be it would be much easier if I sat on on this show with you and was like, yes, well, you know, I just I I really uh, just turned it all over to the Lord. And I was really at peace about it. I, I eventually got there like yesterday, but there was yeah. a good three or four weeks of me wallowing in self-pity and and being so depressed about it. And it's like in those moments, you kind of forget that God has a plan for your life. And, and it's like mm. with GPS, like he can reroute you to get you to where you need to be. But I had it in my head that it was like, nope, this was my one opportunity. And now God can't even have a plan for me anymore because this was the one plan. And now that we don't have this, there are no more plans. So can you tell me the difference? Here's a real serious question for you. Can you tell me the difference between wallowing in self-pity and lament? Because I feel like people don't, we aren't, we often don't give ourselves permission just to sit in our sadness. We call it self-pity. Is it always self-pity? I love this question so much because I've been thinking about this because my dad passed away unexpectedly a few months ago. So I've oh, been sorry. I've been dealing with grief on a couple different levels. And and in fact, just the the day before that we filmed the Today Show thing, we sold the house that belonged to him. So I've I've wow. just been dealing with I've I mean, been asking that that exact question. Yeah. And you know what I think it is, Annie, is that lament is about the goodness of what you've lost. Whereas self-pity is about you. So self-pity is me saying like, oh, I would have been on the Today Show. Like the bully in high school would have seen me doing stand-up comedy or that one person who was mean to me, they'd think I'm so great. And and that's not healthy. That doesn't, even though I do it, it, it's not healthy and it doesn't get anywhere. Whereas lament is like, you know what? That was a really cool offer that was very nice of them to offer to me. And it was very generous. And it is okay for me to say objectively that I have lost something good here. And so when mm-hmm. I mourn my dad, when I mourn the the tour that may or may not be happening, when I mourn that what was originally planned on the Today Show, uh, it's not about me and my vanity when I'm doing it right. It's mm-hmm. about just acknowledging that these were good things that I no longer have. Yeah, I was watching a counselor today do like a seminar during my lunch. And he said one of the biggest things we need to do, especially, you know, eight, 10 weeks into this, one of the biggest things we need to do is to make a list of the things we're grieving. 
Yes. Yes. And I thought, man, I haven't done that. I mean, shocking no one. I haven't done that. I've, I've <laughs> felt sadness. I haven't ignored my sadness, but I haven't like said, I've made a list of things I want to learn how to do like juggle, but I haven't made a list of what has made me really sad. And and the losses that I am feeling, because I'm with you, I had a tour dream canceled and killed yeah. and, and you don't know how it's going to fix or if it's going to fix. And so I think you're, you're saying such an important thing of like, man, what a joy that at the end, it turned out that you became friends with Hoda, you know, like <laughs> who could ever dream that you and Hoda would be pals after this, but that's the gift God had for you at the end of the story he was telling. Yeah, I think she's probably making our matching best friends bracelets right now. So I'll, I'll be sure to look in the mail. I, I think I'm, I'm probably having one sent out by Hoda pretty soon here. But no, I know exactly what you mean. And I think a key part of this, Annie, is that we have to own the sadness that is there, even if what we lost is not as big as what someone else lost. So I talked to a neighbor the other day who lost a cruise and she was really yeah. excited to go on this cruise with her family. And she actually got choked up when she said, I know I'm horrible. I'm horrible. I'm a horrible human being that I'm so sad about this. And she kept trying to deny that. And I said, no, I, I don't think you're doing anyone else any favors by pretending like this doesn't cause you grief. And I think yes. that's totally valid to say you wanted that time with your family. You wanted to reconnect with your teenage daughter. And that is totally valid for you to take space to say, hey, this hurts. Even if other people have it worse, uh, yes, I can still take space to mourn the cruise that I was really hoping would bring our family together. Yeah. I, I just think the more permission we give each other to be sad in this, the more permission we'll feel feel to invite each other into the joys too. Oh, it's so true. That That's a great, I am going to write that down. That's a great quote. Oh, you can have it. How are you recording your show right now? Uh, I am pre-taping, uh, which is okay. just a blast because normally I am live to- Yeah, I was live day. with you. And so, yeah, that's right. So, you know, so now I have to pre-tape. So basically I am, imagine doing a podcast for 10 hours a week because when I'm live, my producer handles everything. Literally all I have to do is turn on my mic and that is it on my end. And now I'm tracking files and all the time has to add up and be perfect to get the commercials in there. Annie, it's a nightmare. It's so (laughs) crazy. It's so hard. That is unreal. I, I mean, and are you still having guests on and everything? Yes, and and I, and you know, just I'm about to start playing the banjo to fill some of these. I, like right, because I can't take calls, and you know, it's it, it is really tough. It's tough to get it done. Do you miss taking calls from your? That is one thing I would love to do at some point with my show is be able to take calls because I love your live stuff. Yeah, the thing is, I so I'm one of those people who is very socially awkward and just generally afraid of phones. And so I I love taking calls when I do it. But I'm always so worried because I think even though I have a great call screener who's who's good at, you know, weeding out anyone who's who's going to say something crazy, there's always that nervousness of what am I going to get when I bring, when I bring this person on the air, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's so funny that you feel like you're awkward at it. I think you're so good at it. Really? Well, thank you for saying that. I always feel like I am super awkward every single time I take calls. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I doing this? <laughs> like, and, and I've been doing it for years now, but it's yes. less awkward. I mean, isn't this just such a good reminder to all of us that we are doing something that we think looks sideways and the rest of the world's like, man, you're good at that. <laughs> oh, no, but yeah, it is really because I, I will tell people, honestly, I feel like I'm terrible at taking calls. So if it sounds good, that's all smoke and mirrors. Will you back me up and tell me how'd you start doing a live radio show? So I was I was on a book tour for my first book and, and I did some media and I guess so SiriusXM saw some interviews that I did. And they contacted me and said, we're we're really interested in bringing you on as a host. And I said, I don't know anything about radio and doesn't really sound like something I'd like. So, uh, so thanks, but no thanks. I have have that email. I should screenshot it. Yes. Annie, I did almost everything you could do to screw up the opportunity. I mean, it was just one thing after another of like, I, I didn't take the demo seriously enough because I just had it in my head. I had, I guess, I guess it was sort of a limiting belief that that I wasn't and couldn't be good at this. But the bosses at SiriusXM were like, "We're telling you, you could be good at this if you tried." 
And mm-hmm. it was, I really think it was a God thing of God just threw me into this situation. And I ended up in a sink or swim situation that it was like, well, now I'm live. So I yeah. guess I'll be figuring out how to do radio. <laughs> and it turns out this has turned out to be a blue flame for me. And I really do like it now. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't just walked through these doors that seem to be opening despite me trying to keep them shut. Yes. Oh, that's good. Okay. Can you define for us what a blue flame is? Okay. A blue flame is a God-given gift that serves others. So like, you know, getting a mani-pedi cannot be a blue flame. It has to be something that makes the world a, a more beautiful, brighter, better place. And here's the thing. It gives you energy when you do it. It does not feel mm. like work to you when you do it. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that's kind of what makes it like when you're trying to figure out a word that's used a lot is when you're trying to figure out your calling. I mean, the blue flame is the hottest part. So when you get down to the very center of that, though, that blue flames in your life are knowing exactly one of the things God made you to do on this planet. Exactly. And, and here's why this matters so much. I discovered my blue flame when I had three kids under age three, I went, I had six babies in eight years and the that's med- impressive, by the way. Yeah. It's just crazy. And it's well just, done. It's crazy. My husband and I are both only children. We have no idea. What we're <laughs> no idea. It's, 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 my house is madness. And and so the messaging was: you had better set your gifts and talents aside because you're so overwhelmed that obviously you cannot have any kind of extra work in your life. And people were right. I was so overwhelmed that at that time I could not have had any extra work in my life. But here's the key your blue flame is not work for you. And in fact, it was because I was using my blue flame that I was able to have the energy to like fix something for dinner while one kid was screaming and another was like spitting up on my jeans. Like it was because I was using my blue flame that I had the energy to get through that. How did you figure out what yours is? And is there only one? Do we each only have one? No, no. I believe that we can each have multiple. And certainly as the seasons of life change, I yeah. think that that it, that your blue flame changes. I give the example of my grandfather was an engineer and he was wonderful at that. That was his blue flame. And then he got hepatitis from bad seafood, almost died. It ended his career and he developed a love of cooking. And he oh, wow. blessed our family with that so much. And that was just a totally new blue flame that I believe God sent into his life because his one blue flame was extinguished. So yeah. the, way, the way I discovered it is, well, I just started a blog <laughs> to be honest. It was so yeah. unglamorous. And yeah, I mean, you and I, but you know, you, you've done the blogging thing too. Yeah, and, me too. And yeah. So, so I started a blog and it was just one of those things that again, it just filled me with joy. And the only way to describe it is I felt like I came alive and I felt like I was more fully myself when I was wow. doing this. And I didn't have that language of blue flame at the time, but, and that's one of the reasons I wrote this book is just to give people that language. But yeah, it was just, I was like, I have to do this, not just for me, but for other people I might be able to help through my writing, but also for my family. Like I am a better and truer version of myself when I'm using this gift. Oh, wow. Man, that I told you before we started, one of the joys of talking about this is I had a blue flame moment not that long ago. And but I didn't have words for it until I saw your book. And then I was like, oh, this what Jen is saying in this book is it is this is an experience I just had that I didn't have words for. Oh, I love to hear that. And you know what? I'll be honest. I said, well, I'm just saying all the stuff on this. Now you're just really telling me I appreciate it. And I also have not said this anywhere else. I wrote this book to be a book that you don't have to read the whole thing. <laughs> my my other yeah. books, like you you do have to read the whole thing. And, and most books are better that way. But this one, I do believe every single chapter adds value. I mean, I stand behind sure. every chapter. But honestly, as an author with this particular book, I am satisfied if someone's like, hey, Jen, I'm busy. You know, I, I really actually couldn't sit down with the whole thing. But I read the table of contents. I read a couple chapters. I got the lexicon. Honestly, that is satisfying enough to me because I think when you when you are able to articulate what is going on in this area of your life, it's yeah. going to give you a lot of power. 
Yeah. I just got a new manager. And when she came in, she freed me. Like she took a bunch of detail. I mean, she did what a manager does, right? Where she takes a lot of the details and a lot of the work off of me that someone else can do. And it gave me space to dream about building something new. And I called my dad after work and I was like, I have not felt this alive at work. I haven't felt this alive in a long time. And it's because I'm getting to build again. Yes. Yes. And see, isn't it, I I often think of the analogy of how a a sailboat, the the sails just fill up when the wind hits it and it finally finds the right route. And I feel Mm. like that's what it feels like when you encounter your blue flame. Yes. Okay. But but then the real, real right now, Jen, is that we're all trapped in our houses. Oh, right. (laughs) And like the people whose blue flames are like, I think about my friend, Jenna Claire Moffat, who is Glenda on Broadway. I mean, oh. she is Glenda. Oh. No. What What do we say to the people who know their blue flame and the the current world doesn't allow you to pursue those things? You know, yeah, I think what I would say to her is, here is my best martini recipe. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing I would say. And, I love uh, it. The second thing I would say is I would go to what we just said, it is okay to mourn that and you need to mourn that. But then Mm. the third thing I would say is one of my favorite chapters in the book is I I tell the story uh, in a book that I read, and it's a true story of a priest who in World War II decided that he was going to go share the gospel with the Russians. Uh, His blue Mm. flame was ministry. And he had these visions that he was going to share Jesus with with all the Russians out there in World War II. And um, so that actually did not work out so well. Uh, He ended up in a slave labor camp in Siberia where they forbid him from practicing ministry. And so what he got to do all day was build railroads in Siberia. And so th- that that's kind of a worst case scenario in terms of sure. not being able to use your blue flame. But I quote from this book I read about him and he writes beautifully about how he turned this work into a blue flame while he was slamming out railroad tracks. Instead of thinking of his own hunger, he would think of the widow and some orphans who might be in the railroad car that travels over this track one day. And I truly believe for every single person, if you turn to God and say, I so desperately want to be of service right now, and the way I was of service to people has been taken away. So will you please open a door, show me how I can be of service in a new way right now? I really believe that God will answer that prayer. Yeah. How often, something we're talking about a lot around here right now, Jen, is is pray, we talk about prayer all the time just because it's something that people, no matter where they are in their faith, they want to learn more about prayer. Like yeah. that's just like, if you're brand new at this, if you've been doing this 50 years and everything in between, you, prayer is a place we can always grow. And so we talk about a lot, but but even as I hear you saying that, okay, ask God to do that. What's your thoughts on how often we pray and then forget to look for the answer? Yes, yes. And this is why only recently... Have I really come to appreciate the power of journaling and incorporating that in your prayer life, especially for those of us who have a thousand things going on every day? Because what I would find is, yeah, I I throw up some prayers to the Lord. like, Hey, uh, Lord, uh, help me. And sorry about that. And uh, thanks for that other thing. And okay, I'm going to head out. And then, like you said, if I'm if I'm asking for something in prayer, I never take two seconds to send, to actually sit and listen for the answer. Like if God's not sending me a DM on Instagram, I'm, <laughs> right. I'm going to get his answer because I never pause for it. Right. And, and especially for those of us, you know, you're a writer, we've got that same background. So I don't know if this would work for everyone, but definitely people who tend to be pretty verbal and, and into writing and that form of communication. Journaling is really transformative for me because it forces me to focus on what's going on in my prayer life. And then I can scroll back. I have an app that I use and I can scroll back and say, oh, wow. Oh, you journal on an app. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, because I have so many people. I live in a small house with all these people. Yeah. I don't have my kids being like, oh, mom, really struggling <laughs> with that today. Oh, it's on a password right. app. Absolutely. That may be such a rescue for our friends who are wanting to journal and have that same problem. What's the app called? It, okay, it's called Day One. And they should pay me to be a spokesperson for this thing. It is yeah. it's one of my top three. If I could only have three apps on my phone, day one would be one of them. It has changed, really? changed my life. 
Yeah. Okay. Tell me more. Yeah. Okay. So, so being able to journal through prayer, I can look back and it's just kind of fun. You know, when I'm relaxing in the evening, if I get in the bath, it's synced to all my devices. So I'll pull up my, my journal on my iPad and just kind of for fun, I'll read through it. And I've had some real thunder and lightning moments of, whoa, I completely forgot that I felt that inspiration in prayer three and a half weeks ago. And whoa, whoa, now that that interaction at the grocery store, that was actually an answer to that. But if I hadn't been journaling about it, I I would have just totally forgotten. Yes. Wow. Wow. I, and you know, listen, my Sabbath this week on Saturday, I, one of the things I did is I pulled out all my journals. I was looking for this specific thing from 2011, but I couldn't remember where it was from and which journal it was in. And so I laid them all out and I was like, I should just go ahead and label these or whatever. And, and so I laid them out based on my teens, my twenties and my thirties. I love that. Yeah. And I just had this moment, Jen, where I looked down and I was like, now mine aren't searchable like yours, which is really helpful. Pastor, my pastor, Pastor Kevin, he's also pastor of the pod. He does like, he does Evernote. So you can always go back and search for a word, Yep. but man, it just is, it is an answer to a prayer to look down and see two decades worth of your faith right in front of you. It, it, and then it shows you in a lot of ways how far you've come and how much you've transformed, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. But uh-huh. yeah, I find that if I'm not writing it down so much of it, even the things I'm sure that I will remember, they just completely escape me. Yes. We think we'll remember everything. I will never forget that God did this. Right. Yes, I will. I always do. <laughs> Every single time. Uh, I do too. I do too. And and so have you, this? For, say the name of the app again, first day? Uh, day one. Oh, sorry. I got the right idea. <laughs> day one. And so it's, and so you just go through and type up what you're experiencing with God, what you're reading in scripture, what's standing out to you. And then you can go back and search it. Yes, it's searchable. You can tag it. You can do tags for the different themes that you're praying about. And you can do multiple journals. I, I swear this is not an, I don't get any kickback from this, but I'm, I like, know, I know. I'm, like, I'm like, and guess what, Annie? There's more. So yeah, you can do multiple journals. So I have a prayer journal. I have a prayer a journal about like career stuff. I have a journal about health stuff. It's all tagged. It's all searchable. And the other wow. tip I would say is it really helps me to add visuals. And this is another thing that apps are great at is I'll screenshot something really inspiring or maybe even just a ridiculous meme or something that I see on Pinterest or whatever. I'll screenshot it and I'll add it to that journal entry. And that makes me more likely to go and review those journal entries because I sometimes I just want to look at the pretty pictures or see the silly jokes that I took a screenshot of and put on oh my that. Gosh, you're just creating a digital journal, a digital scrapbook of God's faithfulness. Absolutely. That's exactly what we did. My gosh. We're going to call them and be like, sponsor Jen Fulweiler and Annie F. Downs because we're about to sell one gazillion of your apps. No, I'm telling you, we need to just partner with them. They need to bring us on as their marketing team. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And so this whole, even during the quarantine times and before that, you kind of have this record of like highs and lows. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, and I think that that's what it's like when you're on any kind of journey to be the person who God created you to be, to make the contribution you were meant to make to use your blue flame. I think it is so important to get out there that it's never an easy path, especially, you know, and I love it that you admit things like this because it's easy to look at you from the outside looking in. I've actually had conversations where your name came up and people were like, well, yeah, I'm not. Annie Downs, just like super successful. And they were nice. I mean, it wasn't anyone thinking yeah. bad, but they were if like, they're nasty. That's all right too, but <laughs> <laughs> we both get that as well. But no, I mean, these are, these were positive conversations, but, but I, I have heard people say, well, yeah, Annie Downs, I mean, it's easy for her. Like she, mm. you know, she's got all this stuff going on that is it, things just come together for her, but it's not like that for me. And I actually said to someone, I was like, yeah, I, but I bet if you ask her about that, that her perspective on that would be yeah. different. Yeah. You're like, listen, I'm friends with Annie. It ain't that easy. (laughs) No. uh -uh, uh -uh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I mean, it is that we always can look at someone else's life and see all the, all the ways God's answering their prayers. And we look at our own and wonder why he isn't. Exactly. And I do that all the time. And I even talk on my radio show and on my Instagram, I'm like, Hey, don't do that. Don't compare. And then I go home and I sit around and compare. I mean, that is one of the most difficult habits to kick. Yes, I totally agree.
Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation with Jen to tell you about our friends over at Brooklinen. Y'all know how much I love these sheets and pillowcases and duvet covers. Bringing comfort into your home is the ultimate form of self-care. And now more than ever, it's important to take care of yourself and each other. I mean, you spend a third of your life in your sheets, people. You should at least. Don't you want them to be insanely comfortable? Starting this weekend, Brooklyn is kicking off summer with an event you'll want to get comfortable with. Everything from bedding to towels to loungewear and more are at savings that you guys are going to love. I'm telling you, my Brooklyn and sheets are on my bed right now. I've told you this before. I very rarely wash sheets and put them right back on, but that is what I keep doing with my Brooklyn and sheets because I love them so much. As we're thinking about summer and what our routines and rhythms are going to be, we may be in our homes continuing more than we want to, but if we have to do it to keep everyone safe, I want us all to be as comfortable as possible. And that's where Brooklinen comes in. A good night's sleep is priceless and it's increasingly harder to come by. So Brooklinen helped me build a bedroom oasis that is the perfect place to rest. If you like softness and comfort, essentials to help you relax, Brooklinen has it all. It's brooklinen.com, and that's the perfect place to find all the comforts for home. They're so confident in their product, y'all, that all their sheets, comforters, loungewear, towels come with a lifetime warranty. And their Memorial Day event kicks off this weekend. You don't want to miss it. So ease your way into summer with big savings on sheets, bedding, towels, loungewear, and their newest mom and linen collections. And if you can't wait, you can get 10% off your first order and free shipping when you use the promo code SOUNDSFUN only at brooklinen.com. Again, that's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And the promo code is SOUNDSFUN. You guys got to check them out. You're going to love your new sheets. And now back to the show. Hey, can we talk for a minute? Because you are Catholic, correct? Yeah. I am Protestant, but I am a huge fan. I overarching, we're all we're all Christians, both sides of this. Right. But will you tell me what are some big differences you see and how like how do we talk about prayer as Protestants that's different than how you talk about it as a Catholic? Like even in us having this conversation, is there a different way you'd be having it with someone from your church? Oh, that's okay. First of all, I love it that you're going there. I love this subject. And and one thing that this always colors my answers is that it's important to know I was born and raised atheist. I was a lifelong atheist. I never once considered that God might exist before my mid twenties. Like, like not even a, like you didn't even wonder about him. I did not wonder. I was positive. (gasps) That's fascinating. I I remember having that thought the first time I had an interaction that I remember about faith. I was five years old. I remember I was in kindergarten and I was thinking like, what are these, what are these people talking about? Like I never wondered, not even as a little kid. And so, so my, my perspective on all that, you know, my perspective on faith and prayer and all of that is very, it's very colored by the fact that I I was raised atheist. So I don't, I don't know, you know, this man, that's amazing. What a different, cause I became a Christian and remember it very clearly when I was five. Wow. And so I don't know a life without that. And so it is so int- I'm like fascinated about why what was going on in your brain that whole time. You just thought like you you just didn't think about a bigger force than humans. No, I, well, I was positive. I thought about it in in the sense that, uh, like, for example, I went to Texas A and M University to start college, and I actually transferred because it was too religious. So oh. I, I was surrounded by. Christian. So I, I was aware of that uh, you and I thought about it and I said, no, these people are crazy and these are fairy tales and there's just nothing to this. But right. it did, I will say, and I, I get in trouble with atheists when I say this, but this is how I thought. I, I thought like, so what point is there? If, if we are all just a bunch of randomly evolved chemical reactions that, you know, we're no different from a gnat flying around and sure. we're not more inherently valuable why get out of bed in the morning? Why, why does any of this matter? It, it was very depressing. I was a lot yeah. of fun parties. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great time. <laughs> yeah. None of this matters. We're, we're all returning. <laughs> okay. So keep telling us about your current faith. Yeah. Okay. So, so that, so you asked how would this kind of conversation be different with, like, if I were to be having this conversation with Catholics, I think a lot of it would really be the same 
there is definitely, uh, I think one of the, the great things about Catholicism is that we do have these traditions and that, you know, it's very, we've, we have our liturgy and, and there are a lot of traditions in that sense and rituals. And so it is easy if you're struggling with your faith, it is easy to go through the motions. And I mean that in a very positive sense. I was about to say, I think that's good sometimes. Yeah. Especially coming from life grounding them. You know, my spiritual life is, is up and down. And so it is very deeply comforting and helpful to me that mm-hmm. I can say the prayers that we all say together at mass. And there are times when my heart is more in it than others and I'm doing yeah. my best. And so I, yeah, I always say that as a positive thing that I think it's more of an option, like in the church that I go to, to kind of go through the motions. However, I, they, I'll get in trouble for saying this, but there is a little truth to the stereotype that Catholics do not prioritize enough having an intimate relationship with Jesus. And and certainly there are huge exceptions to that. I know friends, my, some of my Catholic friends have the most vibrant on fire relationship with the Lord that I've ever seen, but sure. there, there can be some truth to that. And so sometimes when you're in Catholic circles, there will be more talk about like the externals and less talk about your personal walk with the Lord. That's really interesting. So how did you get saved into, and then start going to a Catholic church over a Protestant church? Was it just who you were around? It, well, so my husband and I both, we ended up converting at the same time. So he was like a non-practicing, non-denominational Christian, like it, but he was totally non-practicing Christian. And he like, he grew up poor and he went to Yale and Columbia and Stanford. And like, he's this crazy, smart, like hard charging guy. And so he came from this very, very academic background. Mm. And so okay. we just did a whole bunch of really nerdy reading and research. I mean, it was seriously like we just read books. I mean, it was it was a pretty uninteresting conversion. But then there was a point where I realized, okay, so I believe in God and and I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And so that means that this now becomes a personal decision. And I will admit that that was that was a big thing for me when I realized that okay, so now I actually have to make this personal and this can't just be a research project anymore. Right. And, and do you find, so I will tell you as a Protestant in a non-denominational church, I like a lot of my friends, honestly, I have found things like the Christian calendar, things like liturgies and communion and uh, all these things, very grounding in my faith. I feel like there's a lot of people in both of our churches who are kind of, walking towards each other, if that makes sense. Like there is some of my, I feel in my church, people who I'm seeing and myself included going like, man, I need some of that tradition that I, that I can walk into church on a Sunday and not feel it, but I can't help that I'm in the middle of Advent. Right. Yeah. And then some of my friends who are Catholic, like you're saying, going like, what's it like to get more, even, even more personal in my faith with Jesus? I see something really beautiful happening that we are all learning from each other. Like you said, we Catholics have plenty to learn. And when I go to Catholic conferences, I didn't say no, that, Jen Fullweiler. Would oh no no you didn't say that you said that we're learning from each other. Okay, I'm yeah. just, I'm just, girl, don't get me a, don't get a pull quote put on the internet. Oh yeah, right. down says Catholics have a lot to learn. Oh no, yeah, those are my words. We have a lot. To learn Here's our next stand-up routine. When Jen got Annie kicked off the internet, <laughs> right? Yeah, I got Annie canceled. I'm sorry about yeah. that. Don't get me canceled. I love I love you. <laughs> okay, keep going. Sorry. Yes, are you seeing it too? One of the most popular parts of my stand-up comedy routine is when I talk about this very thing. And I say, we we Catholics are learning from our Protestant brothers and sisters and vice versa. And I say that, like, I say a lot of my Protestant friends are starting to celebrate Lent. So yeah. I like to tell them about the time that I gave up cursing for Lent. <laughs> and see, the thing about what you give up for Lent is that you bring it back in a really big way on Easter morning. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. When people imagine me bringing back cursing on Easter morning, it gets a big laugh in in my stand-up comedy shows. Yes. This is even talked about at Catholic conferences that, that they'll say like, hey, we've got a long way to go in terms of with the average person who's sitting in the pews, 
really personalizing that relationship with Jesus. And so I love it that, that we're all taking inspiration from each other. Yeah. Do you find uh, so much of your comedy comes out of your church experience? Like what's kind of the center of your writing when you're writing your your stand-up sets? The center of my writing is that I truly, and this is not shtick, this is not me just trying to be funny. I truly can't deal with life, Annie. Like I would have made a great desert hermit. Everything overwhelmed <laughs> me. I, mean, like I, said, I was an only child. Like I don't, my husband was an only child. Like raising all these kids and doing all the stuff that I do, I am very overwhelmed by life. And so there's a lot of comedy there. The fact that just the simplest things like making a sandwich for dinner will get me all flustered and I'll, I'll be like messing things up and I end up making some crazy sandwich that nobody else would make. And that is genuinely yeah. who I am. Like I am a dumpster fire of a person, genuinely. But the good news is makes for a lot of stand-up comedy material. <laughs> Just because the world, I mean, it feels really sweet because you took your experience of the world feeling too big and you turned it into comedy for the rest of us versus like actually becoming a hermit, which I appreciate. <laughs> I like that phrasing, the world feeling too big. I never thought of it that way, but that that is, that's how it feels. Yeah. Yeah. And what, will you talk about a little, because we skipped over it, but I want to go back to it a little bit about what made you get into comedy in this blue flame, especially, and and I'm not sure there are a lot of, Catholics who do stand up, right? Like there's Jim there Gaffigan are a couple of Christian men and women that we know that we've had on the show and that we're friends with that are Protestant, but I don't know a ton of Catholics who are doing stand up unless they are not really practicing their faith. Yeah, it's basically it's Jim Gaffigan and it's me. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I know Jim Gaffigan is. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, there it that is not a, a common direction. Now, in the stand-up comedy world, there are a ton of ex-Catholics. I mean, it, when I go out to some of these shows in my local comedy clubs, I, it's it's really weird how many of these people will mention that they're raised Catholic. Uh not currently practicing, but so there there are a ton yeah, of Catholics yeah. in the comedy, but they've just they've fallen away from faith. So, and, and who knows, maybe that's my, I'm evangelizing to them by the <laughs> feels so true though. It. it feels true. Yeah. Yeah. With the, with the Catholic thing, but yeah. So, uh, what, and I think that this is something that, that anyone can take away from this lesson. I, after my last book was released, I, I felt very lost in terms of what God wanted next from me. And ultimately I realized I had not really been listening to him because I was afraid to listen to him. And when I actually said, okay, seriously, this time, it, it's it's whatever, and mm -hmm. I'll do whatever you want. I started to see patterns emerge, and this is often how God works, is I think he reveals patterns to us. And a very clear pattern emerged that when I had the biggest impact on people and when I was able to bless them the most is when I used humor. And, and this even went back 20 years to when I first started a website and was uploading things by FTP way back in the day. Sure. Yeah. So, so I took that to prayer and I said, okay, it seems like humor is where you're leading me and you're telling me that's where the impact is. So where do so what can you do with humor? And and it was an out of the blue thunder and lightning moment when I felt the strongest inspiration I've maybe ever felt with stuff like this. And it was stand-up comedy, do it now. And and I was like, what? Lord, no, no, okay. I think I I think I misheard you there. <laughs> like there's no way. But right. I truly believe it It was an inspiration. Wow. That's, I mean, and then were you afraid? Oh, I was terrified. So one of the things with stand-up comedy is you have to actually try it in front of an audience. Right. You can't know if you're good at it just right. at home alone. <laughs> right. And there aren't a lot of Catholic moms groups that are gathering for stand-up comedy. I right. went down to the comedy clubs of Austin, Texas, and I got up on these stages. And let me just tell you that there are few worse feelings in the world than bombing a stand-up comedy set. When you yeah. get up there to tell a joke and you hear people clearing their throat and shifting in their chairs and you hear the glasses clinking at the bar instead of laughter. And here's the thing, Annie, is you have to finish your set Right. You can't just walk off. Right. Because the club depends on a certain amount of time. And For then real. the other comedians are mad at you because you've killed the laughs and it's hard to get them back. The crowd's mad at you because you're making everyone feel really weird. 
It, it, <laughs> the first time that I had a really big bomb was professionally, like just one of the worst moments of my life. And it was also the moment that I knew that this was my blue flame. Wow. Even though you bombed. Right. Because, oh, this is, get ready for this power quote. This is such a good quote. So this guy, James Clear, was on Rich Roll's podcast. Yeah. And he had this great quote where he said, what is an area of life where you can handle the pain of the work better than others? And he said, that is the work that you were meant to do. And when I walked off that stand-up comedy stage, I was like, professionally, that's the worst thing I've ever been through. And then I thought, you know what? Most people would not want to deal with this. Most people are not crazy enough to want to get back up on a stage and do it again. But I am. (laughs) And, And that's one of the hallmarks of a blue flame, that the pain that comes with it is something that you're like, you know what? I, I feel like I was born to handle this. I mean, is <laughs> does that make dating a blue flame for me? Because <laughs> I keep not quitting when I maybe should. <laughs> no, but Andy, I think there's like you were saying earlier that if you had a radio show, you'd love to take calls. And I'm yeah. saying it's like I'm being asked to split the atoms. I, I I just to split the atom. Like I just stare at my call screen in despair. And I'm like, well, what if this person is weird to talk to? And whereas you would be so good at engaging with these people. And and I honestly think that what you do with dating is you're connecting with people. You're learning about people just like you yeah. do when you interview people, just like you do with your fans on Instagram. And I think that you really have a special gift there for connecting with people. Wow. That's very kind of you, Jen. I do. How, how would you, is, do you have like two or three tips? Do you have like starter pack for blue flame? I mean, read the book, obviously I think is the best thing. Cause as you go through the chapters, it kind of leads you down the path, but what's the first thing you would say to someone right now who's going like, I've never felt that I've never done anything that made me feel like I was about to burst, even if I failed. Yes. Okay. So I have seven little exercises in the book. I'll give you three. I'll give you my top three. And honestly, these, these will get you started. They'll send you in the right direction. So the first one is, and, and it's important to write your answers down. I say in the book, time yourself for three minutes and keep writing down ideas and brainstorming until oh, that timer great. goes off. So the first one is get out your scrap of paper or your day one journal or whatever it is and, and just write down as quickly as you can. Don't censor yourself. What is something that you love to do that your friends would hate to do? So Annie, I had a vacation day a while back and I spent the entire day writing. I locked myself in a closet because that was the only private space I could get. And I just sat in that dark closet and wrote all day. And I felt self-indulgent. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm so selfish for taking this amazing time. And one of my friends, like I, I, I think her blue flame is like outdoorsy stuff, like leading people on hikes and stuff. She was probably out water skiing or something. This was before quarantine. This is in the past. She was like out water skiing and she was like, what torture, what misery to spend a beautiful vacation day in front of your laptop. And that's what I thought about her being out on some trail, bugs flying around. I'm like, who would ever (laughs) want to do that? So that's number one. List things that you love to do that your friends hate to do. Mm. And the second thing is I I also really encourage people to just think of times that you have really blessed someone else, particularly look for those small moments. So a a friend of mine has realized that her blue flame is just listening and encouragement. And she realized this one day when someone had stopped her at Walmart of all places and just started pouring out her life story. And then it happened again, like a couple of weeks later at the grocery store. And she was like, it's just so weird that God seems to keep sending me these random people who tell me their life stories. And she asked around to a few friends, like, does this happen to you that you are just, you're just like looking at pears at the grocery store and someone starts telling you about their cousin who they're not. Yes. I have a friend that that happens to, too. That does not happen to me. And I know me too. I was like, uh, never in my life, like never putting off a hostile vibe or what, but like, no, it does not happen to me. (laughs) And she said, yeah, that's how I realized that God was telling me that this isn't just random. This is a gift. And she said, I have a gift for listening and for encouraging. And I love it. And I'm, as she's telling me, she's like, yeah, it was like 20 minutes in. And this person they were talking about, you know, it's really because of their aunt that the relationship with the cousin fell apart. And I was again, going back to this work being painful for someone else. I was like, 
Yeah. I mean, I love to help people, but I'm not sure that I, I could, I'm not sure that I'd be still in there 20 minutes later to, to be totally honest, but she loved it. And so that's the second one is make a list of times, especially small moments when you've really blessed someone and see if there are any patterns there. See, see if themes seem to emerge. And then this last one is my favorite. I want, I want people to set their three minute timer, write down or type out in their journal, list all of the things that you hate about yourself and that you beat yourself up about all those thoughts that come to you at two o'clock in the morning when you can't sleep, write them all down. And then next to every single one, write the positive flip side. So for example, a friend of mine always used to say, she was like, I'm lazy. I'm, I'm just lazy. Like I never get anything done. I'm just the laziest person. And then when she did this exercise, she was like, well, you know, the positive flip side is I'm a really calming presence to the other people in my life. She said, I've, I've realized, you know, my husband's kind of a workaholic and I'm actually a great balance to him that I have a very wow. calm spirit naturally. But it, the way she encountered that truth about herself is by starting with that horrible thing that, that she would say about herself in the middle of the night. And very often you can take that negative self-talk and use it as a channel to your blue flame. Wow. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's it. And because a lot of times, well, my personality, I want to ignore all those things. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Right. But we can actually look at our weaknesses and the things we hear in our head that aren't true and go, okay, where's the, where's their beauty in that? And what makes me unique in that? And I want to emphasize that every single negative quality has a positive flip side. So like to use an example, something that we've talked about, I get nervous taking calls on my radio show. I've years, I have a daily, I'm on the air two yeah. hours a day. You'd think I'd be used to this by now, but I'm not, I'm still not good at it. In my opinion, I still get nervous with it. But the positive flip side of that side of my personality is that I really deeply care about people. And like, I care mm-hmm. so much that I, I, my brain sort of fritzes out and I don't know how to process it. And I'm worried that I'm, that I'm offending people. And so what I can do is take that and say, Hey, I can channel that into my blue flame with comedy, with the stuff that I put on Instagram and try to use that care that I have for other people and channel it in a different way, even though I'm, I'm not good in this one area of life. Girl, that's brilliant. Jen Fulweiler, I just think you're so smart. I love it so much. I mean, you, you've done, and the best thing is you've done the work before us that doesn't only say you should do this. It says, let me invite you to do what I've already done. You're like, no, I've like tested out this, this amusement park and it's fun. Come ride. And I, and I like that that is your spin on it. And, and I love it that that's the whole theme of the podcast. And so much of what you do is, and I think people will see this in the book that it's been so hard and I have failed Mm -hmm. so many times. You can't even count the number of times that I failed, but you know what? You can choose to look at that as a sad thing or a difficult thing, or you can choose to look at it as a fun adventure. Yeah, I know that. I mean, those are the, uh, truly, those are the options. And every day of quarantine, I find myself balancing between the two. (laughs) Right. I think think with every day that this wears on, it's like, okay, adventure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a little harder as this goes on. Yeah. Another loaf of bread. Can't wait. (laughs) What are you and your family doing in quarantine that you've like never done before? I did. I wish I had a creative answer. My kids are on screens all the time. I'm on screen. I wish I could tell you, you know, Annie. So we, how old are your kids now, Jen? 15 down to seven. Okay. And, and so, yeah, I wish I could tell you, you know, we've really gotten into glitter crafts and I'm having them take Bible <laughs> characters and do glitter. No, I just gave up. I gave up early on. I was like, <laughs> it's going to be all screens all the time. I've got to salvage what is left of my career that I'm yeah. a book during a pandemic. Like We're doing nothing that we didn't already do except more screens. Yeah. I think, listen, over here is not that much different. I'm still working all day, every day. I still have my normal job. And then I just don't get to see my friends at the end of it. And I have made bread. I've never made bread before. Someone gave me flour. I made bread. So there it is. I don't even know if I remember how to get on a plane. I'm going to have to Google like, what is TSA? Uh, (laughs) Just tell me the truth. Are we ever going to fly again? Are we ever going to get on planes again? I'm so worried about this. I don't know. Like, I hope, I hope. And, you know, by the way, just a quick thing I want to add, 
One of the things that I think is so important that we understand is I think one of the reasons we feel so much stress is because we are out of our habits. And what made me think of that is I did not realize that the way I keep up with email is I do email when I'm sitting on planes. And the first quarantine, I, I was like, why am I so stressed out? Why am I so overwhelmed? And it took me a while to realize, oh, it's because my habits have been demolished. I'm never on planes anymore. So I never do email anymore. Yes. That, that's just a little tidbit for people to think about. It, it's very hard to have your habits demolished. Yes, that is. I mean, it, it like we talked about at the beginning, it is super fair for us, even at this point, even though we've done this for months now, it is super fair to make a list of the things that you are grieving and you and I are grieving airplanes. But I also think it's like yesterday was really dark for me. Yesterday was a bad day. And at one of my spiral moments, I was like, I just want to see a coffee shop I've never been in. <laughs> like, I just want to see a brand new coffee shop that I've never set foot in. Cause that's what I do. That's a normal habit for me. Yep, exactly. And one, I am, I'm convinced that I am going to cry the first time I go back to an airport. I really feel like I'm going to get choked <laughs> up the first time I'm back in an airport. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think about that with restaurants. I think what I hope happens, a positive side of this, what I hope happens is that I am more grateful for every experience I get to have outside of my home after this. Uh, and I think we all will be right. Like we'll be like, it, it'll be like the sound of music. We'll be walking into the coffee shop, <laughs> twirling and singing, dancing on tables. I mean, yes. We will all be so grateful. Like, look around. I don't know any of you. This is amazing. <laughs> strangers. <laughs> strangers. I miss you, strangers. Keep living your lives that I don't know anything about. Right, right. I know. Oh. Hey, is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? Uh, you are such a great interviewer. I mean, I really think we hit it all. And and the thing I just, I, I want to leave people with is you do have a blue flame. I know some people are sitting there. No, nah, I, I think God skipped me. He, he was like blue mm. flame for everyone except you. No, you do have a blue flame. And the reason I want people to discover this, and if they don't read the whole book, you know, scan the table of contents, like give it a scan is because the world needs your gift. Don't yeah. do it for yourself. Do it for me. Like actually to, to tie this back to what we talked about at the very beginning, I had to do my own hair and makeup for the Today Show. I was super stressed out about it. And I found this amazing make- makeup YouTuber who just, there's something about her style that specifically connected with me. It yeah. blessed me so much to watch her makeup tutorials. And, it, and, and when she started, there were already a thousand other makeup tutorial vloggers. She could have so easily told herself, nobody needs my gift. Other people are already doing this. If she would have let her fears hold her back, if she would have said, oh, so many other people are doing this and that my voice isn't needed, she would have been withholding a blessing from me. So I want people to go find their blue flames and use it because someone else needs you to do so. And Jen, you should go tell that YouTuber that story. Actually, I will, actually. I, that's a good idea. I bet she would love to for you to say that exact thing. Like, your makeup is what I styled myself after for the Today Show. Well, and I, I'm such a big fan, though. Like, I might very quickly go into stalking territory and be like, we are meant to be best friends. And the only thing that is hampering this friendship is that you don't know who I am. But as soon as yeah. we resolve this... <laughs> I think we're taking things to the next level very quickly. Yeah. No, I believe in all of that. Hey, the last question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what y'all are doing for fun. <laughs> oh my gosh, screens, screens. And no. Yeah, lots yeah. of Netflix. You know, you know what we're doing is we do have a nice back deck. And one of the things my husband and I did to try to add just a little bit of life and fun is we did a custom back deck playlist that has like island themed, like fun theme songs. And there is a couple hours every day where we actually make the kids get off of screens and they act like they're being tortured and we <laughs> make them go outside. And we do, we have some outdoor speakers that we invested in as a way to save our sanity. And we make everyone play outside and we listen to our island playlist and it's simple, but honestly, it boosts our mood every single day. That's beautiful. Hey, actually, I don't know how you and your husband met. Can we, when we hop over on YouTube, will you tell me y'all's little love story? I would love to. So much fun. Okay, perfect. I would love that. Um, Thanks for doing this today. And thanks for your writing and your comedy and all your work. I am, I'm just honored to be your friend. So thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm such a big fan of yours as well. 
Oh, friends, isn't she awesome? I mean, she's brilliant and kind and hilarious. Oh, you've got to check out all of Jennifer Fulweiler's stuff, particularly her new book, Your Blue Flame. I think you're going to love it. Hey, just a quick reminder about the AFD story. You know, we've told you since it kicked off about a month ago that until May 17th, which is Sunday, you will be able to get any books you order signed as well as we are giving a portion of the proceeds to Christian Appalachian Project to help them provide food for families that are in extra need right now because of the pandemic. And so make sure you head to shopanniefdowns.com to get you some new stuff. It's all there waiting on you. And if you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs across the internet, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me, as well as at home and a little bit at the office. Thankfully, Nashville's opening up a little bit. (laughs) And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. We will see you back here on Monday. Y'all have a great weekend.